Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. in our number is 877-381-3811 the framers of the constitution spent five months and some days in philadelphia in the pennsylvania assembly building we know it as independence hall debating whether to form, and if so, how to form a national government. The Articles of Confederation were a failure. Because as a loose confederation, after the war, America couldn't pay its debt, couldn't raise an army to defend itself. States were putting up barriers to other states in terms of commerce. There was uh, taxation used as a weapon by one state against another. There was an effort at first to meet in Annapolis, Maryland. But the states didn't send enough delegates, or enough states didn't send delegates. And so it failed. But they decided that there would be another meeting. And this time, the states were strongly urged to send delegates. And they did. What was this new government going to look like? What were they going to do? Well, the man who put the most concrete plan together before this Constitutional Convention was in fact James Madison. 
But there were others who gave this a lot of thought. Roger Sherman. Hamilton. Others. They're trying to balance different different philosophical issues and different experiences through human history. These men were well read. They knew about Athens and Rome. They saw what happened throughout Europe four or five hundred preceding years. They had read John Locke and Montesquieu and their contemporary Adam Smith and others. Edmund Burke. What should they do and how would it get passed by by enough states? So they got together representing different corners of the country, small country, nothing close to the geographic size today, these 13 states, with similar interests and disparate interests, with similar populations and different populations. And they duked it out. And they battled it out. And there were a lot of issues they had to put off because to resolve them would have meant no union whatsoever. They fought hard over slavery. They tried to tackle the issue. And they understood they couldn't solve it there and then. But they did a few things in the Constitution to try and limit it. They limited the importation of slaves at a specific year and they counted for the southern states or states that had slavery they counted their slaves as three-fifths of a vote for purposes of representation in the house this was a proposal by the north not because they thought slaves were three-fifths of a human being but that they didn't think the south should be able to benefit on the one hand by choosing or treating slaves as people for purposes of bolstering their representation in the House, but on the other hand, treating these people as non-humans, non-people. But there are many more battles. This Congress they decided to create, bicameral, unicameral, what would it look like? There was a compromise. The House would be directly elected every two years, and then there'd be the Senate. Two senators from every state, despite the population of any state, and they would be chosen by the state legislatures, or the method in which they would be chosen would be determined by the state legislatures. They believe strongly the states should have a say in the federal Congress. They created the Electoral College, which in some ways is based on the popular vote, because they were trying to weigh a few things. They were trying to weigh both pure democracy and republicanism. So they came up with this idea of a Senate. But ultimately, they wanted states to have a lot of say. So the president couldn't appoint 
to what would be federal courts, which were not established in the Constitution other than the Supreme Court, without the okay of the Senate. Couldn't appoint ambassadors without the okay of the Senate, so they wanted states to have a say. The states weren't about to create a government that would swallow up the states and deny them decision-making that they felt belonged to the state legislatures. Article 1 dealt with this new Congress they created, and they laid out what this new Congress would have the power to do. Article 2 laid out the executive branch. There was a great deal of debate whether we should have a president, how that president should be selected, whether there should be a judicial council that's involved in the selection process, and on and on and on. But the Electoral College had nothing to do with slavery. The framers were very concerned about mob rule. They were concerned about mobocracy. They had witnessed in real time what was taking place in France. Ten-year rule of terror. People being summarily executed with the guillotine. And they understood in France they were trying to destroy and change their society. That's not what happened in the United States. In America, they wanted to institute a representative republic, not destroy their society. It's the opposite of what was taking place in France. Having started a revolutionary war based on a declaration of independence that talks about unalienable rights... Those same framers, for the most part, understood that a pure democracy and unalienable rights have nothing to do with each other. In fact, voting and unalienable rights have nothing to do with each other. Unalienable rights aren't given by government. They're given by God. Voting has nothing to do with it. But the whole point was to protect the individual. There was a great debate over whether to list a number of areas in which this new government could not directly harm the individual. And the decision was made at the Constitutional Convention not to address that. The argument on one side Really, the Madison argument was, well, if we start listing things, maybe we will forget something. The argument on the George Mason side was, well, we better list some things, particularly the main things, or there may not be a protection. After the Constitution was adopted and the first Congress met, it was Madison himself who went to the floor And reminded the members, the new House members, that they had made a promise to the states. See, it was the states that uh, insisted on what would become the Bill of Rights. Initially, he was ignored, but he was persistent. And to make a long story short, he prevailed. We got our Bill of Rights. The first ten amendments to the Constitution. And every one of those amendments addresses things that occurred with Britain and in other countries where the government would become too 
powerful, centralized, and the individual will be devoured. And so you have freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of religion, freedom from religion. You have a Second Amendment right to possess a weapon, to have a weapon. The states had a right to have their own militia. Due process, equal protection, the takings clause, protecting personal property, private property. No general warrants, that is some general warrant, particularly from parliament in the past, or even a king. Making just certain things illegal and applying it to everybody without going through a, a process, legislative process, and no, no legislation that could be directed at a single individual. So a single individual couldn't be punished by the federal government. These were things they had learned from, to be concerned about from Britain. The Ninth Amendment, in my view, was a restatement, a reflection on the Declaration of Independence, that this whole country was founded on the right of the individual. And, of course, the Tenth Amendment was a restatement of federalism. The Constitution doesn't create an all-powerful central government with plenary power. Not in the least. Not in the least. One of the things that the state conventions insisted on before they would vote on the Constitution is an assurance that when it came to determining election laws, the state legislatures would have the primary power. The language was already in the Constitution, but they insisted on it. And they made it abundantly clear that there would be no Constitution unless certain of their demands were met. That was one of them. They did not want this government they would create on far-off Washington although they didn't know it would be in Washington, but far off Washington as it would be, setting election policy that would affect the representation of the citizens of the state to this new national government. Now remember, the states came before the, government, the federal government. They were well aware of monarchies. They were well aware of feudal systems. They were well aware of mobocracies, the sort that took place in France. They wanted nothing to do with any of it. They didn't want a parliament because they knew parliaments could be run away. They didn't want a monarchy. Obviously, they had just fought a revolution against one. They looked at John Locke during the revolution. They looked at Montesquieu during the constitutional period. They looked at both, really. And what did they find? Montesquieu, as is referenced in the Federalist Papers, more than once, talked about a separation of powers. He was very specific, talking about a legislative, an executive, and a judicial. That's where the idea came from. Locke had talked about separation of powers, too. That his greatest influence in the Constitution would be the Bill of Rights. 
Why am I telling you all of this in an 11 or 12 minute history lesson? The answer is, why isn't anybody else telling you all this? And I will explain when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for free. And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. And of course, everything wasn't perfect in paradise. The Civil War was fought to settle the issue of slavery once and for all. For decades, the issue had been bubbling up. Um, and um, I would remind you that if there had not been a union of these original 13 colonies and others to be added later, there would not have been a civil war. And it is likely slavery would have existed for a much longer period of time in parts of what would become the United States or parts of America as it exists today in so many parts of the world. The Civil War was fought, was won by the Union, supported by the Republican Party and opposed by the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party was aligned mostly the Confederacy. And, as you all know, for a hundred years thereafter, Democrat states fought freedom against the former slaves. Whether it was segregation, whether it was voting, economic, you name it. Those battles were hard fought. And those battles were won. And now after the bottom of the hour, which is upon us, I want to bring it to current day. I'll be right back. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month, and you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. 
And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. So the Democrat Party was the party of slavery. The Democrat Party was the party of segregation. And post-Civil War, it insisted on it. The Democrat Party was the party of Jim Crow poll taxes, literacy tests. The Democrat Party was the party aligned with the Klan. There weren't very many Republican Klansmen. And many of them were former soldiers with the Confederacy, former generals with the Confederacy. So you might ask yourself, how do these people like Elizabeth Warren and Maxine Waters and Chuck Schumer, identify with the Democrat Party today. How do they do that? There's different forms of tyranny. They wind up as tyranny, but there's different forms of tyranny. There's different ways to getting to a totalitarian or neo-totalitarian state different ideologies. But one thing the Elizabeth Warrens and Chuck Schumers and Maxine Waters have in common with the old Democrat Party is their hate for Americanism. We benefit today from the foundation that was built by the framers of the Constitution as imperfect as they and it was. We benefit today from that foundation. We're reminded of our document of independence, the Declaration. We're reminded of the Constitution. Abraham Lincoln did more for African Americans in this country than any human being before or since. That's just a fact. Before or since. He too was an imperfect man. I don't know many who who were perfect or are. And during the course of the Civil War, he would cite repeatedly the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. He would use them as rallying cries. He didn't say they were the problem. He didn't say the founders of the country were the problem. He said the founders gave us a government and created a society in which we could make improvements and corrections, and they knew it. That's why slavery is not enshrined anywhere in the Constitution, and that's why it's not supported anywhere in the Declaration of Independence. Awful lot of societies that have had slavery in their pasts on every single continent. White, Black, brown, yellow, red, you name it. 
We're among the only countries that actually fought a civil war to end it. To end it. Now, the vestiges of this continued into the 50s and 60s. We had Democrats elected to Congress and elsewhere who resisted the right to vote for blacks. And steps were taken by executive branch officials, presidents, to address this. The first modern Civil Rights Act was passed in 1956 under Eisenhower. Another in 1960. The 1964 Civil Rights Act was passed. More Republicans voted for it than Democrats in the House and the Senate. Same with the 1965 voting uh, uh, Civil Rights Act, that is, the Voting Rights Act. This is the history of the Democrat Party. So when you see every member of the Congressional Black Caucus, bar maybe one or two, who's a Democrat, or when you see Biden and Schumer and Pelosi who are Democrats, this may not make a lot of sense to you, but it makes a lot of sense to you if you understand that their goal is to promote the kind of ideology that was popularized over a century ago by the so-called progressive movement, or what I call the American Marxist movement, another form of tyranny. Another form of tyranny. Different kind of tyranny. But is it still a tyranny that devours the individual? It's still a tyranny that rejects unalienable rights, which is why when Obama would quote the Declaration of Independence, he'd leave out God's name, which is why the Democrats almost never speak of it, or they only use the Constitution to advance their arguments to undermine it or destroy it. All the riots that took place summer of 2020, attacking the founders and the framers, attacking the Constitution and the Declaration, attacking Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant, who opposed slavery. In case of Lincoln gave his life fighting it. And so we've reached a point in our country, thanks in many respects to the media and academia, where these ideologues who oppose the founding, who oppose this country in many respects, and want to create some kind of a quasi-Marxist, centralized nirvana from their way of thinking, have tried, and in many cases succeeded, with their propagandists out there, in turning the Republicans into Jim Crow, the Republicans into anti-black, the Republicans into opposing people for voting, because they reject, or most of us do, the ideology that the Democrat Party embraces which rejects constitutionalism and small-r republicanism. And so you get these Democrats screaming at the top of their lungs 
self-righteous, self-aggrandizing, narcissistic, propagandist, demagogues. I have so many words, I don't know how many to use. As if it is they, they and their party all along that protected the vote. They and their party all along that have fought both physically and legally for minorities in this country. When that's just not true. What they've sought is power, and they've sought power by coalescing different groups in this country, by grouping people into racial groups or economic groups or age groups or what have you groups. So they divide us in order to coalesce one group or another into the Democrat fold and turning all the groups against society generally. Really started with Franklin Roosevelt. You can hear all this when Senator Schumer, among the worst of the worst, takes to the floor today. Cut three, go. I will remind my colleagues that this is not the old Republican Party. I would remind the American people how dramatically the Republican Party has regressed. The Republican Party used to be one that supported voting rights. Presidents Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and George W. Bush worked to renew voting rights bills. No, they worked to renew voting rights bills from half a century ago. Not to destroy the Constitution, state sovereignty, and their own party. Schumer and the Democrats are asking the Republicans to join them in committing constitutional suicide, Republican Party suicide. And by opposing that, Schumer and his party are trying once again to make the case that this is purely racism by Republicans. That if you don't support what they support, then you're a throwback to 1965. Go ahead. Unfortunately, this is Donald Trump's Republican Party. And it is the one now trying to take away the vote from younger, black and brown, elderly, minority, and low-income voters. And so there you have it. So they throw out Donald Trump. This is an Alinsky tactic. Even though under Donald Trump, minorities in this country fared extremely well, certainly compared to what Biden has done. Right? Even though Trump is not racist, Biden was the racist. But that doesn't matter. They throw Trump's name out there. And they say it's his Republican Party. That's the problem. Now, if that were so, then I guess Mitch McConnell would not be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate any longer. But the state legislatures are acting on their own. You look at what's going on in Pennsylvania now. The Democrats have come up with a map with a phony independent commission that would take the majority 
in the state legislature, majority of Republicans in the state Senate and the state House, and turn them into a small minority like California. And Schumer wants you to believe that these Republicans simply oppose these changes and what the Democrats want to do because it's Trump's party, and of course, by that he means these are all racists. This is a, a vile, contemptible, unconscionable strategy the Democrats have. But just keep in mind again, they were the ones behind the Civil War and segregation and Jim Crow. There's nothing they will not do for power and to retain power. Go ahead. And yet every time we tried to engage our Senate Republican colleagues, they resisted. So we have no choice. We are moving ahead on our own. Once again... They've always been moving ahead on their own. They try to engage the Republican colleagues. Ask Tim Scott about engaging the Republican colleagues when it came to quote-unquote police reform. He had to give up. There's enough rhinos within the Republican Party, the Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski's, the Mitt Romney's, and on and on and on, who would be more than willing to surrender one principle and after another to the Democrats. But this is so bad that even they realize they can't. They just can't do it. Go ahead. The path ahead is an uphill struggle. Republicans have been clear they will entertain no bipartisan compromise on at voting At no right. point during this speech, at no point does he go point by point into details what it is the Democrats are proposing. None of them do. None of the media do. Because even people who are not necessarily Republican, but they're not necessarily Democrat, would be disgusted by it. Rather than this being righteous, what they've done on Martin Luther King's birthday and and thereafter, is to use him like they use everyone else, to advance a power-hungry agenda. A power-hungry agenda where they empower themselves. And they're trying to do this without a majority in the Senate and the slimmest of majorities in the House, which they fear they will lose next election cycle. These people do not believe in representative government. They're not defending minorities against Republicans who, quote-unquote, want to take the vote away from them. Republicans want to take the vote away, says, from the elderly, from minorities, from low-income voters. Well, there's not a lot of people left. It's going to be hard for the Republicans to win if they're trying to take votes away from all those people. But everybody knows this is a lie. Everybody knows this guy is a Class A demagogue. But there's no pushback from the media. None. Where's all the Pinocchios? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. 
It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. Imprimus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Now, what I've talked about here is taking the better part of an hour program with commercials, but how hard would it be for the media actually to do this? Not hard at all. But there's several problems. Number one, the media are mostly ignorant. Number two, the media are in the camp of the very people who are tearing this country apart. And number three, the media do not support liberty. Only their own. They support big centralized government because that's where they live and work. and That's how they get rich. And so you have now a war, a civil war of sorts, by the Democrat Party against the Republican Party. It wouldn't matter if Donald Trump had ever been president. They don't care. It could have been George H.W. Bush or Ronald Reagan or George W. Bush or whomever. They'd be conducting themselves exactly the same way. Exactly the same way. It's the Democrat Party, after all. This is what they do. They smear people. They destroy people. They... They embrace Saul Linsky. They embrace Cloward and Piven. They embrace Herbert Marcuse. They embrace it all. They embrace John Dewey and Welly and all the rest of them, Criley. Whether it's Sheila Jackson Lee, whether it's Maxine Waters or Kamala Harris, whether it's Elizabeth Warren or Chuck Schumer, they all got the talking points right. Scream and yell and say racism. Their media, same thing. Joy Behar, Joy Reid, Whoopi Goldberg, Stephen Corbett, and Don Lemon. And that's just some of them. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now... One of the things that we've always prided ourselves on as Americans, and they like to talk about one administration flowing to the next. They like to talk about January 6th now as the insurrection that stopped it all. Is what the Democrat Party is doing to the nation as a whole, whether it's our economy, whether it's our border, Our prison system, law enforcement, crime, classrooms, race, is a destructive force. 
But when it comes to transitioning from one president to another, they can point to Donald Trump all they want. They can point to January 6th all they want. But it's 2016 you need to look at. 2016. That was when, in full view of the entire world, the Democrat Party went to war with our electoral system. Now, they've gone to war with it before, but this is the modern incarnation of it. It was 2016. They spawned a criminal investigation, multiple efforts at impeachment, coup efforts, the Democrat Party in Congress, working with the Democrat Party in the executive branch, working with career individuals, Democrats, who resisted the transition. Trump was called an illegitimate president. He was called Putin's president. He was called many things. And they questioned that election. Last time I checked, 2016 came before 2020. They didn't go to federal courts during the course of the election or after to challenge Trump's presidency. Oh, yeah, the emoluments clause and other things to try and destroy Trump. But I'm talking about challenging systems or votes like others did in 2020, a legitimate path. No, they decided they controlled the House of Representatives. They were going to use the impeachment clause the way no House of Representatives has ever used it before. With one party rule. And Nancy Pelosi would put in place the most diabolical, sinister, and evil members in her caucus she possibly could to lead the fight. And they knew they could work with the media. And they did. They worked with the New York Times and the Washington Post. They worked with CNN and MSNBC. They worked with CBS, ABC, and NBC. They worked with Reuters and Associated Press and all the rest of them. A complete cabal to undo an election. Department of Justice would investigate that because the Department of Justice was in on it. You know, you see Merrick Garland today going, the most concentration of resources ever in the history of the FBI, preposterous. There was no great investigation of the people who caused this entire upset of the nation for years. There's a special counsel. But the Department of Justice generally, the Criminal Division generally, U.S. Attorney's Offices, the FBI, no, they were in on it. They were in on it. Donald Trump's tax returns were leaked to the New York Times. Democrat elected operatives and politicians in Manhattan in the state of Albany going after Trump's businesses, investigating him and his family endlessly. And of course now this January 6th Soviet-style committee, which has absolutely no interest in getting to the bottom of anything. Period. Nothing. That's not what they're about. 
I said the other day, and I'll say it again, they're throwing a wide net because they're going after Trump and his associates of any kind and any sort. Because they want emails, they want texts, they want this sort of information they cannot otherwise get, they should not get now. But they continue to reveal themselves as an unconstitutional rogue operation. In the Hill, Alexander Bolton, Senate Democrats believe there's a good chance the Department of Justice will prosecute former President Trump for trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election and inciting the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol, which would have major political reverberations ahead of the 2024 presidential election. Now, that is a loaded run-on sentence, as if written by a Democrat operative. Democratic lawmakers say they don't have any inside information on what might happen and describe Garland as someone who would make sure to run any investigation strictly by the book. Oh, okay. We know that's a joke. They also say the fact that Garland has provided little indication about whether the Department of Justice has its prosecutorial sights on Trump doesn't necessarily mean the former president isn't likely to be charged. This would result in a revulsion, a convulsion of the body politic of the conservative Republican base like nothing you've ever seen. I'm not talking about violence. I'm just saying it would be an absolute revulsion. Because something like this has never happened before. And everybody knows it's illegitimate. Given the weight of public evidence, Democrat lawmakers think Trump committed federal crimes. You see what a bunch of totalitarians these are, folks? But Senate Democrats also warn Garland needs to proceed cautiously. Any prosecution that fails to convict Trump risks becoming a disaster. Could vindicate Trump. So it's all about a political prosecution. Take him off the playing field, but if you're going to get him, make sure you get him. Otherwise, we might lose. Richard Blumenthal, now that guy's a sleazeball extraordinaire, said clearly that Trump did in the days leading up and day of the January 6th attack on Congress, quote, falls in the ambit of what's being investigated and perhaps is criminal. Tim Kaine said it's up to the prosecutors at the Justice Department whether to charge Trump, though he believes the former president's actions on and before January 6th likely violated federal law. No, they didn't. He's supposed to be a moderate, but he's a whack job. They have all the evidence at their disposal, he said. Now, how would he know that? A lot going on behind the scenes that you and I do not know. Kane believes federal prosecutors are looking seriously at charges against Trump, although he doesn't have any inside information. My intuition is that they're looking carefully at whether Trump broke the law. My sense is they're looking at everything in a diligent way, and they haven't made a decision. What is he talking about? Does he know something? I believe there are federal statutes that are very much implicated by Trump's effort to overturn Biden's victory in the 2020 election. It is really grotesque to hear people who sought to overturn the 2016 election. Every breathing moment of that administration are now making these allegations, these insinuations. Sherrod Brown, real commie, said, I think anybody who it's proven had a role in the planning of the January 6th attack should be prosecuted, not just the people who broke in and smashed the window in my office and others. I think anybody that, by the way, did he say that about Antifa and Black Lives Matter? Of course not. He's a clown. 
I think anybody that's shown to have had a role in its planning absolutely should be prosecuted. I mean, it was treason. It was tra- Okay, so you get these, these low lights, these hacks. Now you know how brilliant the framers were to make sure that the Congress was not involved in prosecuting people. But that's the whole purpose of the January 6th committee. It's not to protect Congress in the future because Pelosi failed to do it and they don't want to talk to her. And then there's this. January 6th panel floats 14th Amendment as a way to bar Trump from holding off. Now this is really ridiculous, but we'll go on here. Washington Examiner, neither of Donald Trump's impeachment trials led to his conviction, which would have prevented him from returning to the White House. Representative Jamie Raskin, remember I told you about his father? who was a red, who defended the Soviet Union, North Korea, Cuba, Communist China, Institute for Policy Studies. But Raskin has another idea on how to bar the former president. Raskin suggested the constitutional provision preventing those who, quote, Engaged in insurrection and rebellion, unquote, from holding office may prevent Trump from becoming president for a second non-consecutive term. This guy was apparently a constitutional professor at some college in Washington. Should have been an anti-constitutional professor. Let me help the, the red from Montgomery County, Maryland. Mr. Constitutional Professor. Engaged in insurrection and rebellion. He didn't engage in an insurrection or rebellion under the law or under the Constitution. So what the hell are you talking about, you idiot? Maryland Democrats said the prohibition on holding office again could also apply to some current Republican members of Congress. So you see, Mr. Raskin is a man of the French Revolution. Off with their heads. And he would know a lot about the French Revolution... The communist revolution, given he learned at the feet of his father, who was an old-time red. An old-time red. He's been on these impeachment committees. He's now on this January 6th committee. So they take this guy, who in my view has very little allegiance to this country, my opinion, and put him on these committees. Why? Because that's what Nancy Pelosi's about. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, 
promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code LEVIN, podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. you've heard this all day but you haven't heard my take on it more adults identify as republicans giving biggest edge in 25 years paul bedard he's a real reporter over there at the washington examiner biden's unpopularity has driven u.s adults over to the republican party and uh, in the last few months as biden's approval rating has sunk to as low as 33 percent the party voters identify uh, with has shifted a remarkable 14 points in the fourth quarter from Democrats leading by nine points to Republicans by five points. Gallup does this enormously large survey. Democrats generally always lead Republicans in party identification. And independents outnumber both. But end of December, the gap had shrunk, and even Gallup said the shift was notable. The year 2021 was an eventful one in politics after a similarly eventful 2020 that also saw major shifts in party preferences. In early 2021, Democratic strength reached levels not seen in nearly a decade. By the third quarter, those Democratic gains evaporated. As Biden's job approval declined, the political winds continued to become more favorable to Republicans in the fourth quarter. Given the GOP an advantage over Democrats larger than any they had achieved in more than 25 years, Gallup wrote in its analysis. The final monthly survey of 2020 showed the parties at roughly even strength, although that still represents a departure from the historical norm of the Democratic parties having a, at least a slight advantage in party affiliation. And we control the House of Representatives and Senate at stake in this year's midterm elections. Party preferences will be a key indicator of which party will better be positioned to gain majorities in the next session of Congress. And Gallup has asked party preference since 1991, and typically the Democrats have a big advantage. All right, I have on this. I assume, I don't know, the usual commentator will go on about why this is the case. I'm not going to do that. I think you're smart. I think it's obvious why it's the case. Here's my concern. The media and the Democrat Party and certain Republicans and certain outlets do not want us to talk about election integrity. Except, of course, if it helps Democrats. So the Democrats are running around screaming at the top of their lungs about how Republicans are taking the vote away from people. About how Republicans will destroy the 2024 election. That we won't be able to rely on it if Trump wins or Republican wins. And this is now what the Democrats are saying. So they're free to say that, you see. Because of voter suppression, particularly in 19 Republican state legislatures. But if you raise a single question about a single precinct then you're a denier there's something wrong with you. So here we have, folks, I've got such a long list, I can't play it here. Mr. Producer's hard at work. Maxine Waters, Elizabeth Warren, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, 
Sheila Jackson Lee, Don Lemon, Katie Hobbs, the Arizona Secretary of State, Whoopi Goldberg, Stephen Colbert, Joy Behar, Joy Reid, Tim Ryan, on and on and on and on, talking about how the Republicans are actively trying to prevent people from voting. And how in the next election, basically, should a Republican win, then the fix was in. Now, they're allowed to do that, even though they're lying through their teeth. They're allowed to do that. They won't be admonished for it. Go for it. But if you say, wait a minute, what about these, uh, these, these drop boxes? Ah, what about the machine? No. Nah. What about the bad? No. Nah. What about the constant? No, 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 no. There's been litigation. There's no proof. There's no proof. Where's their proof, by the way? Where's their proof? If you oppose their power grab? If you oppose their power grab? So here's my analysis. If you look at the gerrymandering that's been taking place in the Democrat states, the Democrats are plus six. They're losing population in these states and so they're using it as an opportunity they're using it as an opportunity when they lose a seat or two to blow out the republicans that's what they're doing and they're a net six plus in florida the republican legislature is going to agree if they can to a congressional alignment, even though they pick up one seat, that gives the Democrats an additional seat. The governor of Florida, the great Ron DeSantis, has stepped in and put up his own proposals. No, you don't. We're going to pick up several seats here. So if we're not watching the Democrats, they will steal, if not the majority, but they may steal a number of seats that we would have won. If we win 50 seats, maybe we would have won 58. The Republicans, as typical, are being outmaneuvered. I'll be right back. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. Let's see if we can find a good caller here. I've got so much more to go through, but you know, there's only so much people can take. So let's bring the public in. Let's... Actually, my call screen just came up. All right, Steve, I see you here. Humboldt, Texas, XM Satellite. Go right ahead, please. Yes, sir. Mark Levin, the great one. Listen, I called because I heard you talking You can just call me Denali. About... No, I called you the great one. Oh, all right. Thank you. Okay. So uh, I'm calling because you, you mentioned that all these Democrats and some rhinos want to investigate the uh, insurrection, so-called insurrection, January 6th. I think that everyone should be investigated and punished if they're involved, including the FBI. The FBI mm-hmm. seems to be involved with all sorts of things that happen that, uh, you know, just like... Well, the- here's what we know for a fact. The FBI will not say whether it had any role. 
and the FBI should be forced to say if it had a role. Absolutely. It should be forced to say if it had If this is the greatest threat to America since the Civil War, I would like to know if the FBI had a role or not. Now, the media, they don't care. And if anybody even raises it, they're, what, are you a conspiracy? No, we're not a conspiracy anything. We saw the role the FBI had in trying to destroy the Trump candidacy and then the Trump presidency. We don't need any lectures from the media. They gave aid and comfort to that entire movement. But you're right. We should know who was involved. And the Department of Justice is not going to investigate itself now, is it? No, it's not. Uh, just mm-hmm. like they didn't investigate uh, the Donald Trump-Russia thing that started with the FBI. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. Steve, thanks, buddy. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Cheryl, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the great K-V-O-R. How are you? Good. I was just, uh, I haven't ever called in before, but I just wanted to encourage you to just keep standing with that backbone and realize that our founding fathers asked God to come and bless this nation. So all the ones that think, you know, like Haman's plan in the Bible, mm-hmm. he uh, had all his plans and God overturned them with Mordecai and Esther, his secret mm-hmm. weapons. So there's a lot of praying going on right now. And the people that think they run this nation and that they run the media, they need to realize there is a God. Mm-hmm. And I'm You're not right. talking as a religious person. I'm talking about someone who had to rely on God for practically my whole life. And he overturned and overturned. And there are divine reversals that he does, that I have personally seen him do when everybody was lined up on the other side. So I just wanted to say that you speaking out and exposing and as God begins to expose and people begin to smell the stench that's out there, they mm-hmm. are going to get on the right side of this thing. And you just- are a great caller, lovely lady. I want to thank you. And I would remind Chuck Todd, Schmuck Todd and Fake Tapper and Wolf Blitzed. She's talking about what we celebrate. It's called Purim. You familiar with that, Chucky? At your very radical left-wing synagogue? I'm just wondering. That's Purim she's talking about, so don't mock her and don't put her down. That's right. That's right, I said it. Rick, Barstow, California, XM Satellite. Rick, go right ahead, please. Jeez, what an honor it is to speak to you, great one. Thank you, buddy. It is. I, I thank, thank you for all you do. You really are just... It's great you're fighting for this country. I, I just... I don't know if the words can't say enough to thank you, but all these, uh, these, you know, like Upchuck Todd and, you know, all these, I think, you know, I think I just need to throw all this stuff back in their face and say, yeah, we're trying to suppress the votes that ain't people ain't supposed to vote. You know, mm-hmm. it's nonsense. These people, these, they're just, just, uh, I think we just need to start throwing all this nonsense, all this garbage we're throwing to throw it back right back at them. And just, you know, you tell people a lie long enough, they start believing it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. I just... Although it looks they, like the people are turning on them, and I think mostly for economic reasons. Uh, but for whatever reason, that's a good thing. Uh, but the problem is we can't win every election. 
So whenever they win, they're going to try and uh, dispose of this republic in one form or another with their media flunkies uh, leading the way. All right, Rick. Very, very kind of you to call. I appreciate it, buddy. Let's continue. Sal, Cooperstown, New York, XM Satellite. How are you? I'm well, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. It's an honor to speak to you again. And I know you you don't need the History Channel to make this comparison because you are a history expert, but the 1896... I like the History Channel, actually. I do, too. When McKinley was elected and J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie, and John Mm -hmm. Rockefeller bought the press to sway the election in their favor... They also picked the vice president. They wanted to get Theodore Roosevelt the hell out of New York. Yes, they picked him in 1900, and it backfired on them because McKinley died, and then Roosevelt died. That's right. He was assassinated. But in 2020, those three, the Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, Rockefellers, was our Soros, Bloomberg, and Zuckerberg. And what's very With one great difference. Those three men were patriots. As a matter of fact, in his first term, McKinley invited them and others into the Oval Office, as you know, having watched the History Channel. Because the federal government was actually about to go bankrupt. And back then the federal government just wasn't that big. But it was big enough. And those men came together and they loaned the federal government the equivalent of hundreds of billions of dollars today. In inflation dollars. And then later, when the progressives moved in, a couple decades later, this was the... uh, the requisite for creating the Federal Reserve. Anyway, go right ahead. And quickly, what I wanted to say was the Democrats do not inspire the black community to come out and vote. They did for Obama and for obvious reasons. But now in modern day, they, did, they weren't inspired for Clinton. They weren't inspired for Joe Biden. But they learned during the Joe Biden election how to go get the vote. You didn't get the vote out. They went door to door, and with the money the Soroses of the world contributed, they were able to hire people in in five cities to go door to door, knock on the Mm -hmm. door, and say, hey, do you have that ballot? Well, I didn't fill it out. That's okay. Just sign it and give it to us. Mm -hmm. And I know that took place. No, you can't possibly know that. Everybody says it's the cleanest election in American history. Had the fewest safeguards. The least amount of press oversight. And all of a sudden, it's the cleanest American uh, election in modern times. Now, that is ridiculous. They're mailing out ballots like they're mailing out lollipops. Oh, yes, it's the cleanest election. Could you prove otherwise? As if we're in a position to know all the facts. We don't control these entities. Go ahead. My last thing is, they, again are grasping because if they lose the black vote, and I really hope the black folks wake up and, sh- and see they're being u- used like pawns in chess. To me, this election reform they're trying to push is the most insulting thing to the black community. They don't want them to run for office or become president again, but they want to keep them at bay and keep them hating Republicans. And it, they've almost created us to be the enemy. They've made us sound like we're the enemy. Yeah, we, they've, a- sw- they've, they've effectively, with the help of the media and academia, switched positions. You know, the, the Democrat Party of old is now the Republican Party of new, and you'll hear them argue this because they're so pathetic. Thank you, Mark. And God bless you, my friend.
We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know... The American people, or at least tens of millions of Americans, have a good sixth sense about things. They really do. And there's a piece in the American Spectator by a dear friend of mine, Jeffrey Lord. We're both Pennsylvanians, born and bred. And what he and I know, even though we're from different parts of the state, I'm from the Philadelphia area, he's from central Pennsylvania, is that there are corrupt counties politically in Pennsylvania including Philadelphia, and including other counties. And they've always been corrupt. They have a high number of elected judges that wind up going to jail or under investigation. Some of them are mobbed up. Mostly it's with the Democrat Party, because the Democrat Party has controlled so much of these particular areas of the state. And so here comes... 2020 and you're not allowed to raise anything there is a very very important lawsuit that's been brought in Delaware County Pennsylvania a huge county right outside of Philadelphia with video with audio with eyewitnesses that's not being covered by the press is it except by me and it's really quite appalling the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania Majority of Democrats on that court changed the election laws to benefit the more dense areas of the state and to benefit Biden and the Democrat Party. They didn't have the constitutional authority to do that any more than the Florida Supreme Court in 2000 had the constitutional authority to do what it did. But the U.S. Supreme Court under Rehnquist stepped in. The U.S. Supreme Court under Roberts would not. These are legitimate points, don't you think, ladies and gentlemen? So there was a candidate debate, both of Senate candidates in the Republican Party and gubernatorial candidates in the Republican Party. Both seats are open in this election in uh, Lawrence County, which is southwestern Pennsylvania, west of Pittsburgh, on the border with Ohio. And my buddy Jeffrey Lord was there. And uh, there were questions asked of the candidates. First thing is, uh, they had asked the party there that President Trump provide a couple-minute video, which he did, which apparently had a raucous response. 
Uh, but there were questions asked of the candidates. And one of the questions that was asked was if they believe Biden is a legitimate winner of the 2020 elections, yes or no. Now, while people in my business don't want to talk about it, while people say, you know, the president, that is Trump, should move on, and to some extent, particularly if he takes on Biden or Biden's agenda and another candidate, he's going to have to move on to some extent because you can explain what took place, but you've got to hammer their record and hammer what you're going to do about it. That's what the people want to hear. That's what they want to know. But when that question was raised, they were told, answer yes or no only. And most of them gave long answers, apparently, and one, I don't know who it was, said no. And he got a raucous response, too. I tell you all this because you ought to go back to Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged. And she talks specifically about what took place in Pennsylvania. And I know a lot about what took place in Pennsylvania as my wife helped litigate one of the cases there. But there were two very essential cases. They were constitutional cases. And um, we talked about them on air here. And you have Zuckerberg, as she points out, who pumped millions into Pennsylvania. Millions to fund the Center for Technology and Civic Life, which was used to basically take over the public running of elections in Philadelphia and some of these other Democrat strongholds. And they used these, these grants. In fact, they were required under these grants by Zuckerberg to conduct themselves in such politically partisan, that is, pro-Democrat ways in the name of operating on behalf of these city and state election offices. Appalling, shocking what took place on a massive scale. There's no denying this. As I say, you can read her book, Rigged. Now, the media, big tech, and Democrats seized our elections, but Pennsylvania was ground zero, in my opinion. Whether it was, as Lord puts out, changing to expand mail-in balloting, the realization of the need for lawsuits, Democrats blocking Pennsylvania Republicans from viewing counting ballots, over 21 million pumped into Pennsylvania by far-left Zuckerberg to fund this organization, which laundered the money into these other groups, ballot harvesting, which is illegal in Pennsylvania, accepting ballots that should have been rejected for failure to conform to the anti-fraud provisions of state election law, the Democrat Supreme Court allowing improper votes to be counted, double standard in following election law in one part of the state while denied to another part. But this senator from South Dakota, what is his name? Rounds. They found no evidence of fraud. In fact... This was a very fair election, he says. Very fair. Does he deny what's in Molly's book? Does he deny those two critically important constitutional challenges? I suspect he would, because he's a clown. Now, at some point, whether it's three months, six months, nine months from now, my advice to President Trump would be, yes, you can point out what happened. And you should, because it puts the Democrats on notice that you're not going to roll over. But 
people are going to vote for something that's affirmative. He's had tremendous policies as president, too. We ought to talk about how he's going to change what these fools have done and make America great again. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. New York Post, Lydia Moynihan. Schumer's daughters, plural, work for Amazon Facebook as he holds power over antitrust bill. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is responsible for shepherding antitrust bills that aim to crack down on big tech. And both his children are on the payroll of companies the proposal would seek to rein in. On the money has learned in the New York Post, Jessica Schumer is a registered lobbyist at Amazon. According to New York State records, Allison Schumer works at Facebook as a product marketing manager. Oh, I mean, so damn corrupt. Advocates of the legislation fear that the tech company's ties to Schumer's children could create a conflict of interest. People close to the matter told on the money. And they say Schumer's familial connection to the tech companies is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the cozy relationships some members of Congress have with these firms. When you put together the amount of money Speaker Pelosi made off tech with the fact that Leader Schumer's two kids work for giant tech companies, Democrats are going to have a very hard time explaining if major legislation doesn't move forward this session. One progressive operative told The Post, it's not just a messaging problem. It also raises substantive concerns. If you were a judge with a kid who worked for Facebook, you'd recuse yourself from the case. Now, the most immediate test will be on the so-called non-discrimination bill that would stop platforms from self-preferencing their content. For instance, Amazon would no longer be able to promote its own content over third-party sellers on the e-commerce platform. The bill could be ready for introduction as soon as this week. It's under review by the Senate Judiciary Committee. And assuming it emerges from the committee markup, it could be put to a vote in the coming weeks. Schumer, though as yet to signal where he stands on it or when he could introduce the legislation. Senate Majority Leader Schumer has the ability to decide what bills get put up for a vote. can also kill votes. Angelo Rofero, a spokes idiot for Schumer, said in a comment to On the Money that there was no basis for this story. Quote, Senator Schumer is championing these issues both legislatively and with his appointments to federal agencies. He will fight for action and success that delivers a fairer and more innovative playing field for all. Well, isn't he the great American hero? Representatives at Facebook and Amazon didn't respond to requests for comment on behalf of Allison and Jessica Schumer. Meanwhile, Jessica's husband, Michael Shapiro, worked at Google's Sidewalk Labs from 2017 to 2019, according to Shapiro's LinkedIn profile. He left the company in 2021 for a job at the U.S. Department of Transportation. He also didn't respond to a request for a comment. 
Jeff Hauser, founder and director of the Revolving Door Project, which looks at money, uh, at money in politics, said Schumer's tie to the tech companies are cause for concern. When they are on opposite sides of the divide, it can make the public servant member of the family too sympathetic to the company that employs their child or family member, he contended. The Post previously reported U.S. Representative Zoe Lofgren, a Democrat, who's one of the most vocal opponents of antitrust bills now winding through its way their way through Congress, that would target big tech as a daughter who works on Google's legal team. Ladies and gentlemen, between the families that are taken care of by the corporatists, to the stock trades that are made by people who legislate and know what's coming and going, these bastards are so corrupt it's not even funny. You trust them with your health care, you trust them with immigration, you trust them with your lives and security. These are corrupt, crooked politicians. It's the rare one who's not. But the Democrats, they swim in this stuff because they know the likelihood of being called out is low. This was the New York Post, after all, and the likelihood of anything happening is almost non-existent. So Schumer's two daughters works for big tech. His son-in-law used to work for big tech. But don't worry, he's going to aggressively go after big tech. And you wonder why big tech attacks you? Now, I don't listen to a lot of other radio. I don't listen to any podcasts. But I do understand my buddy Dan Bongino. And this is going to sound ignorant, but who banned him, Mr. Producer? Do you know? So you two banned him, correct? Suspended him. YouTube. Well, I don't believe I have anything on YouTube, do I? So there's not a damn thing I can do up to YouTube. I, uh, I live in my own bubble. I've told you folks that before. But still, I'm on Rumble. I'm on Rumble and Getter and Parlor. But Rumble when it comes to the action, right? But this is a problem. It is a problem when, when our guys are treated this way, when Dan's treated this way, for no reason. Other than they disagree with them. <clears throat> These aren't American-style companies. These aren't patriotic companies. These are Soviet-style companies. And they're all in for the Democrat Party. They're all in for big government. And guys like Schumer aren't going to do a damn thing about it. And so it's very important, whether it's me, whether it's Dan, whether it's this fellow Joe Rogan or whomever, that we move to platforms that are friendly or at least open. Because we are making a lot of money for these people. And that's why I've resigned from every damn one of them. YouTube, I don't even think I ever belonged to, did I? Nor will I. Hasn't hurt me. Hasn't hurt you folks. I'm trying to do this as an example. I've been away from these people for 13, 14 months now. 13, 14 months. We still sold what is almost 1.3 million books now. So the number two radio show in the country, the number one TV show on Sunday night on cable news. They haven't heard us one bit, have they, Mr. Producer? So screw them. That's my advice to all my fellow broadcasters 
and fellow Americans, you folks out there. Get as far away from them as you possibly can. I know it's difficult. But it can be done. I know it's difficult, but it can be done. Kim, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite. Kim, how are you? Hi, sir. I'm doing well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Great. Well, I just heard you. I wanted to thank you for stating the obvious. I was a canvasser in the 2020 election here in Pittsburgh, and we weren't even 75 feet. That was as close as we could get. And let me tell you, walls worked because they had big barricades up. And those counting the ballots and all the, the workers, they had their personal belongings out, phones out, on phone conversations. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you ought to alert Senator Rounds of uh, South Dakota who said that this is one of the fairest elections in modern times. Exactly. He would know, wouldn't he? Was he in Pittsburgh? Oh. No, he wasn't. Yes. And, not, no, he was not in Pittsburgh, but... What I can tell you, as an essential worker, as a registered nurse, I just mm-hmm. it is really just sickening and very disheartening, everything that's going on. Yes, it is. And you folks, who helped save the people of this country early on in the face of this pandemic when nobody really understood it, you're under attack now. It's the most outrageous damn thing. It's the most outrageous damn thing. And that's the thank you you get. From the federal government. I'm sorry, Kim. You take care of yourself. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ladies and gentlemen, have you noticed there has been an insidious effort to turn Trump and DeSantis against each other? There have been people who've been leaking stuff. There have been people who've said some really stupid things. And they're being played by the media. They're being played by the media. These men are not a threat to each other. They're both saving the country. And yet there are, there are rat finks who are out there leaking, saying things. And some people believe it's McConnell and his former chief of staff who did the podcast, was asking DeSantis questions. Some people thought there were questions intended to set him up. But when you actually listen to him, he did not criticize Trump. There was a slight disagreement, perhaps, but he was not attacking Trump. Why would he? He's also the most successful governor in the country. And I don't even think it's close. And there's several that I like. But I don't even think it's close. There's a piece by Paul Merengoff over at Powerline. The New York Times does Trump versus DeSantis. He said, my friend who reads the New York Times called my attention to this front page piece. Front page about tension between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And by the way, when the jihadi took Jews hostage in the synagogue, the first front page of the New York Times that came out subsequent to that terrorist plot did not have it on the front page. 
echoes of the Holocaust. My friend who reads the New York Times called my attention to this front page piece about tension between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. It's by Times stalwarts Maggie Haberman and Jonathan Martin, who don't know crap, who probably had a lot of fun writing it. They report that Trump had become unhappy with DeSantis because the Florida governor won't say he'd step aside if, as seems likely, Trump decides to run for president in 2024. How many here believe that if Trump runs in 24, DeSantis would challenge him? Zero. According to the Times, Trump believes, he says with justification, I think, that he put DeSantis on the map. From this, Trump concludes, without justification, I think, I'm just reading what he wrote, that DeSantis should not stand in the way of the former president's future political ambitions. Trump hasn't yet blasted DeSantis by name, but he ripped gutless politicians who dodged the question of whether they've been vaccinated against COVID. Fearing blowback from vaccine skeptics, DeSantis hasn't said whether he's received anti-COVID shots. The answer is yes, Trump said in an interview last month, but they don't want to say it because they're gutless and so forth. He says, I agree with Trump. Governors who have been vaccinated should say so to reassure the public the vaccine is safe. Governors who reject it uh, out of safety or other concerns should share those concerns with their constituents. Meanwhile, DeSantis presumably responding to Trump, and they go on and on. My own advice is President Trump should pursue the course he wishes to pursue. Not worry about DeSantis. And DeSantis is pursuing his re-election. And that's the way it is. Has Pompeo said he won't run against Trump? I've been looking at all these people. I could be wrong, but I don't think he did, Mr. Producer. You haven't seen anything either, right? So I don't, I don't think it's something President Trump has to worry about or focus on. I do think it's something that uh, so-called insiders who are uh, bidding for one position or another are using to attack And, of course, the New York Times can't wait. And I think the American people, those of us who consider ourselves constitutional conservatives and see this existential threat in the other party and this American Marxism, I think we're going to grow very tired of this very soon. Very tired of this very soon. That these people who are leaking are not doing anybody any favor, including the people on whose behalf they think they're leaking. I'm tired of it. I don't trust McConnell or his lieutenants. This is how he operates. I don't know whether he's done it or not, but suspicion should be focused on him and his operatives. This is exactly how he operates. But I don't think uh, Trump has to fear DeSantis, or DeSantis has to fear Trump in any respect. And we need to win Florida. And that's the next race when it comes to DeSantis. And if Trump wants the nomination, he can have it. He'll get it. Whether the media and rhinos and Whitman in New Jersey like it or not. That's the way the cookie crumbles. All right, let's take some calls, shall we? Uh, Yes, we can. Let's see here. Uh, Let's go to Mark. I'm kind of partial to that name. Highland Park, Illinois, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? 
Hello, Speaker, Mark. forever hold yourself. You? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Oh, great. Cool. Okay. Very well. You know, I, I listen to your your shows, your life, liberty, Levin, and I read all your books. I haven't read the newest one, but I'm getting there. I have to finish another book first. But um, I was I was thinking, you know, another way to hit the Democrats would be if we uh, brought back the misery index from the Jimmy Carter days, so that every day the people in the country have have this number that that's in their head. And it's listed as a misery index. I think that would be a, a I love weapon it. against them. I love it. But the problem is unemployment's very low because there's an awful lot of people who dropped out of the workforce. I believe it's lower in North Korea, by the way, because there's an awful lot of people who aren't counted. They're either dead or they're enslaved or they've dropped out of the workforce, too. And apparently that's a success. But um, I do like it. I think that's kind of a cool idea because inflation is really taking off now. It really is. And everybody feels it. Everybody. And it's only going to get worse. It's going to get so bad that even Obama, former economists, are saying, "Uh uh-oh, this is a problem. And it is a problem because the way you have to address it is also painful, raising interest rates. When you raise interest rates, you also raise prices. But they're trying to, to drive up the cost of money because there's so much money floating around. They have failed us monetarily, and they have failed us fiscally. The Federal Reserve monetarily, and of course Congress and the Democrats, but also Republicans, uh, fiscally. Thank you for your call, my friend. Give all my friends in Highland Park my best. Let's continue, shall we? Our buddy Jimmy. No, I'm going to hold Jimmy. We don't have enough time. Stay, hang in there, Jimmy. Eli, we owed you a uh, response from Canada. Go right ahead, my friend. Yes, Mark. So I have two points. One about yesterday. What happened on 9-11 was a terrorist, was a terrorist attack. What happened on, on uh, Pittsburgh Synagogue was a pogrom. What happened on Friday could have ended in a pogrom, and the head of the FBI doesn't know what's the difference even between those two. That's my uh, point number one. My point number two, you have the Wicked Witch of the West, which is Pelosi, and the Wicked Witch of the East, which is Kamala Harrison right now. Who do, who, now she's who of the West, too, you know. Maybe we have two Wicked Witches in the West, and the East would be Hillary. They don't, well, probably, but they still don't know the difference between anything because they live in a bubble. What happened on six? Of January was completely staged, and they still don't stand All far. right, sir. Thank you for your call. I don't believe it was completely staged. Some of you out there do. I do not. Nonetheless, I've commented at great length about what I do think about. I'll be right back. At 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. Well, now, Mr. Producer, you watch ESPN now and then, don't you? I watch it for the UFC. Now, there was a show there I used to watch fairly religiously. First take. Because I like Stephen A. Smith. Now, he and I don't always agree. In fact, he and I sometimes very strongly disagree. I haven't talked to him in a while. But I always felt this Max Kellerman was kind of a weight around his neck on the show. I could have played Max Kellerman on that show. Typical knee-jerk lib. I'm being honest. And annoying as hell. That's just me. But I think this guy, Skip Bayless, is he another one? Yeah. He's annoying as hell, too. And so is the other guy. What's the other guy's name that he debates? What's his name? 
Shannon Sharp. What a big mouth that guy is. What a big mouth. And the race baiting with this Shannon Sharp. Who the hell can watch this crap? Anyway, it appears that I'm reading that uh, first take. They're expected to remove Kellermanson. Weren't they going to remove him before, Mr. Producer? No, I don't keep up on all the ESPN shows. Just a couple. No, not a couple. One. They got more hosts there, more former athletes. I don't know who the hell's what, but I know Stephen A. Now, this may upset some of you. You say, you know him and you like, look, I like him. We're friends. We don't always agree. Sometimes we very passionately disagree. So what? Who cares? But this Kellerman, I don't know who they're going to replace him. Me? I wouldn't replace him with anybody. I'd let Smith speak the whole time. I really would. With the moderator, what's her name? Molly? Molly? I don't know what her name is. See, I don't even know what the other one's name. That's the whole point. He should go solo. Does it on the radio. He's very good. Again, I don't listen to most other people. Now and then I've picked it up. He's very good. He could do that show by himself. He doesn't need a sidekick. These shows with all the sidekicks, I don't get it, to be perfectly honest. When you have a strong talent, do I have a sidekick? No. Do I need a sidekick? No. All right. Let's see here. Let's take a... No, I have to do something, don't I, Rich? I don't have to do... You know, our buddy Jimmy's been waiting. The great WABC in Brooklyn. Jimmy, go right ahead, please. Yes, seven decades ago, Congressman Carol Reese, he headed the Committee to Investigate the Tax-Exempt Foundations. He documented and proved that Carnegie, Ford, and uh, Rockefeller Foundations are using their money to push us into world government. That's exposed seven decades ago. So that's the globalist. But then you have also the internationalist. The communist or the internationalist. When you combine them both, that was all exposed because that's the movement that went after Trump. I have to make one more statement. Hold on to your seat. The threat to Trump is the threat to America. Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, radical Islam, the drug cartels, the KGB mafias, the Democrats, the medias, the unions, the professors, the deep state. That's the entirety. That's the magnitude of the problem. Even Mm -hmm. if they didn't cheat in the election, the fact that they control what people think by controlling the media, they do control the vote because they put ideas in people's heads. So they vote freely according to the propaganda put in their heads. The Marxists, the communists, the socialists united, and they're brilliant compared to our side, Mark. I wish I could talk to you for hours. Believe me, I could talk for hours. Now you don't. After about an hour, I'd get a little frustrated, certainly get hungry. Jimmy, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for your contribution and being out there at all times. We appreciate it, buddy. Louis, Los Al, it's Los Alamos, California, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yes. Listen, I'd like to uh, talk about uh, voter integrity. Give it and a shot. If I'm sure that you know, and I'd like to remind the listeners, back in 2005, 2005, Jimmy Carter and James Baker 
were commissioned mm-hmm. by then uh, President Bush to come up with a um, recommendations on uh, voter integrity. And within that uh, framework, there were like 80 different points or so. Within the top 10, mm-hmm. there number uh, uh, were voter ID was necessary for uh, voter integrity. And then uh, Jimmy Carter warned about mail-in balloting. Yes, he did. And we, uh, there was actually an audio that we've played in the past. You know who else warned about it, my friend? That. The Democrats and the media. Remember the Democrats and the media were attacking these machines before the election? Well, Remember sure. the Democrats and the media? Stick with me. Remember when the Democrats and the media were saying there was a plot by Trump and the head of the Postal Service to remove mailboxes from the streets? Do you remember that? Oh, remember absolutely. that? And they, and they were trying to set it up. If they lost, they were going to go nuts. And now we're not even allowed to say anything. What do you mean? It's the first le- And then, of course, we have our clowns and goons and, and creeps like this rounds from, uh, from uh, South Dakota. Well, I think it was the uh, which way did they go? Uh, yeah, I think it was one of the uh, fairest the uh, elections. Uh, which way? Uh, yeah, that way. Okay. Go ahead. But God, for God's sake, Jimmy Carter w- tried to warn us on mail-in balloting, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, once the Democrats saw that framework of what we should do to uh, secure voter. Uh, integrity, they saw that as a roadmap to be able to, oh, this is exactly what we need to do to subvert the uh, election process. How ballot harvesting, uh, they tried it out all throughout California, worked for them, they were able to flip elections. You know, we in the other, other states were like, wait a minute, didn't they just win six seats and now they were flipped overnight when we went to sleep? Even before uh, uh, this last presidential election, we were wondering about it. They're corrupt and they're crooked. They're corrupt and they're crooked, just like their damn media. Thank you for your call, Louis. I like Louis' song, don't you? Louis, Louis? I do. Okay, let's go to Susan Jacksonville, North Carolina, XM Satellite. How are you? Hi, Mark. Thanks for doing everything you're doing. You make me miss Rush every day. Well. But you certainly are worthy of standing in for him. So thanks for everything you're doing. Well, I don't know about that, but thank you. I miss him, too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, certainly. So I have an idea for you, and I'd like to hear what you think about this. So this is interesting with this trash talk and, you know, uh, uh, DeSantis and Trump and all this stuff. And I'm channeling my husband, who recently passed, who would always have great oh. insight. I'm he sorry. would say, don't don't get too worked up about this. He's uh uh, we need both of them. You know, we need mm-hmm. Trump and we need DeSantis. I'm a, I'm a Trump fan. I'm also a DeSantis fan. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's any background going on here. Trump is on a freight. He's been vilified for the last at least five years of his life, mm-hmm. to include his entire presidency and afterwards. And he's got a pretty thick skin. And he's, he's very polarizing. And, you know, there's a lot of folks that don't agree with what's going on. But, you know, they still may have a hard time pulling a ballot thing, you know, for Trump. But is, is Trump willing to take, you know, a back seat right now and uh, let DeSantis kind of become the star? And, you know, he, he's not as polarizing. He certainly is in some ways to some people. But maybe this is a um, swab effort to mm-hmm. push DeSantis 
and let Trump be a background. I, I, I don't see it that way. Just my own opinion. Uh, I see that the, the there's certain rats who are leaking, who are creating this this kind of situation. Um, of course, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm friends with both men, and I'm really uncomfortable with this even going on, quite frankly. But I do know there are people stoking these flames, and that would be uh, Maggie Haberman. Maggie Haberman, everybody, over at the New York Times. Maggie, how you doing, Maggie? But anyway, uh, another so-called reporter is all phonies doing the same thing. So uh, I would just uh, encourage everybody to disengage. We have enough enemies, and uh, they're destroying our country, and that's my view. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Mr. Bede- oh, there it is. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let us continue, shall we? Yes, we shall. Let us go to John Fayetteville, Arkansas, the great K-A-R-N. John, go right ahead, please. I love you, buddy. Oh, thank hey, listen, you. I've got, hey, listen, I listen to you every day. Thank uh, you, I've got a lobbyist friend from Arkansas. You can only imagine what company he works for, um, two of the biggest in Arkansas. But anyway. One of them's Tyson's, I know, he, but I don't know. Yeah. Walmart's the yeah. other one. There you go, and a couple <laughs> others. But but here's the deal, Mark. Yes, he sir. was telling me, he's an attorney. He was telling me that the reason Virginia went Republican is we had lawyers with boots on the ground. And if we'd had that in New Jersey, we'd have won that too. Mm-hmm. But they are so scary at cheating that there's no, it's almost impossible to stop them. And he was also telling me about the Google lobbyist. You know, when Trump was running uh, this last election, if you pulled up his name on Google, it was all uh, it was Russia hidden. negative yeah. stuff. You're right. So it's all, listen, they're all in it together. It's scary. And Arkansas is one of the very few states, I think, I'm not sure, that requires a voter photo ID. You can't walk into a voting a voting booth without a photo ID in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's just, we're in a scary time, brother. I'm, I'm uh, just I, saying. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't uh, agree more. So we're going to have to push back twice as hard. Because we can't surrender these people. They'll ruin our country and ruin our families and ruin our lives. So, John, my man, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. That's Tom Cotton country. Good man. Trisha, Trumbull, Connecticut, the great WABC from the nutmeg state. Go right ahead. Mark, I used to think that uh, gender studies was one of the most useless, uh, harmful majors in college, but I think political science is worse. W- would you agree with me that the damage? Well, they're all they all bad. Even the departments of education now are teaching uh, teachers all the wrong things to uh, promote. I never understood this phrase, gender studies. You go into class and you study your gender. What do you do in gender studies exactly? Well, I'm, I'm serious, Mr. Producer. Did you take gender studies as an elective? Mm-hmm. Seems to me gender studies should be done in the privacy of your own home, no? 
What are we studying exactly in gender studies? They're part of how the men should be boys. I mean, uh, girls and girls should be men. Now, what are we studying exactly? I, I don't know. Sounds like a course we can do without. That's number one. Well, there, I just saved us some money right there. Gender studies. Are they out of their minds? Must be something about, you know, victimhood, I'm guessing. Is that about right, ma'am? Exactly. Yes. But um, I think the, those that major in political science and uh, go into politics as a career or... Um, lobbyists, as one of your callers was referring to, they do so much damage to our nation. The founders had it right. that They needed um, business people, farmers, normal people mm-hmm. to come and serve for a time. And um, we have people like Rand Paul and Mike Lee. We have mm-hmm. very few that have real integrity and come uh, to to actually serve rather than serve themselves like the Bidens and the Clintons and the Obamas and so many others. They, um, they enrich themselves mm-hmm. and destroy our nation in the process, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. Nobody, nobody cares about uh, the Obamas and the hundreds of millions that they've pulled in since uh, he was president. She's still as radical as hell. You know, she goes out there uh, with, her, uh, with her remarks, and of course, you're not allowed to criticize her other than me, I guess. Uh, and of course, uh, George W. Bush thinks she's fantastic. Wonderful callers. Thank you, my fantastic audience. I am greatly blessed that you're there. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And we do not forget the American citizens who are still behind the Taliban Iron Curtain. 